the football pod on OTB Sports. Have you ever seen a team like Limerick that are so physically dominant? They're yeah, absolutely oh. financially <laughs> dominant. <laughs> the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. 8.56 this morning. Time to turn to rugby. Alan Quinlan is with us. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, lads. Good, thanks. Um, the sentiment amongst the Munster fans, the arrow's pointing up. It's back-to-back wins in big games on the road against a, a provincial rival um, in a match that like, it looked like they were comfortable in for most of the time. Yeah, they were pretty comfortable, I think. Um, it was a very good performance given um, the expectation going up there and the, the, the danger of playing in the Kingspan and I suppose um, Ulster looked like a side that were still probably reeling from from the loss against Toulouse the week before, but um, a little bit of consistency in in selection. I know there was a few changes, but um, performance-wise, it gives them a bit of hope now that if they can, you know, build on what they've they've done the last couple of weeks, um, they have a decent chance of of uh, doing doing okay in the playoffs and and. Uh, been better prepared for Toulouse in a couple of weeks but um, yeah I think that you can see the confidence and the passing is a lot better and um, still worries and concerns around some of the set piece but um, it was a lot better Ger. Uh, is Craig Casey first choice now or what's the what what's the level of competition at where's the pendulum um, it's a difficult one it's one I, I keep getting asked um I, look, I think he's shown he's he's um, he's a top quality player. I think he's still prone to making a mistake or two. Um, some of his kicking isn't isn't as it's not as good as Conor Murray. But to be fair to Conor Murray, he was really good in the two extra games as well. So I think having the ability to to um, to have either or start and probably the, the the gap that we spoke about for years with Ireland, particularly around Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton. Well, it's 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 closed a little bit uh, with Monster, and I think he is kind of putting his hand up for for selection, particularly this time of year um, when you have to attack teams. And he does add add a little bit more as regards to that pace and zip. But Conor Murray is still, I think he's played, like I said, played very well in the last couple of weeks. So I'm not sure. Um, would you start Craig Casey against Toulouse, or would you start Conor Murray? You know, Murray was vital in the two weeks, uh, the two games against Exeter, given his his size and physical presence. Um, he had some turnovers in that game. So they both have different strengths. I think Craig Casey's strength is obviously his passing and speed delivery. And uh, Conor Murray's still very, very important defensively for, for, for Munster when he plays. So I'm not really sure who you start in that game. Um I suspect that Johan van Grang will still go for Conor Murray, uh, given his experience and and that physical presence that he has. But certainly, the signs are good that you know in in maybe some of the evolution and change that's needed that Craig Casey is going to be a big part of that going forward. Yeah, so the future is bright, but the present is actually pretty bright as well. And that you do have a player who's being driven to reach the levels that we know he's capable of in uh, in Murray, and that if. He, he comes off or if he's injured or if anything happens that you've got a replacement now who's not going to be in any way over yeah, what's happening. I, I, th- I think if Conor Murray was injured you'd, there wouldn't be as much panic that's Craig Casey's coming in. There'd be no panic at all really. I think he's improved his game a lot and obviously when you're training with the Irish squad and seeing the different standards there and, and we know he can be 
you know, we know Craig Casey's qualities and what he can do, and he's shown us glimpses, lots of glimpses of that. I think just some of the game management and some of the decision making, and, and that's obvious. He's still a very young player, but um, it's still pretty positive for Munster. But um, it's much better in the last couple of weeks that you know they've they've got some positive results. I think that that is a big result there. They hadn't won in Belfast since 2016, so. Um, it instills a bit of confidence and belief in the side. And I think the Keith Earls try was as good a try as I've seen for Munster in years. Um, so I think there's probably they're probably feeling good about themselves. They've Cardiff at home next week now and then Leinster as well. So um, they could have been eighth there. And we were talking Friday with Adrian about the results, the way they could have panned out. Munster could easily have been down eight. And it, they would have been because the Bulls now are eighth and 48 points. Um, that's where Munster would have sat if they lost the game. So they're up to third now and um, they're in a good, decent place, I suppose, and they're, they're with two games left. Like Obviously, the, the questions around Munster at the moment, while things are positive, are about the coaching ticket and who's going to be in there next year. Like One of the, the links over the last couple of days has been with Dennis Leamy and Bernard Jackman was making the point in the paper yesterday that he'd bring a, a good wealth of knowledge about some of the academy prospects going through at Leinster as well. Uh, is, is there any truth to this? Is there anything that you've heard that suggests that Leamy could be making a bit of a Munster comeback? Not really. I'm just hearing the rumours as well. Um, I'm sure Leinster... Um, won't want to use it, lose him. Um, I think he he probably slipped through the net in Munster and um, Leinster picked him up a couple of years ago with their academy and obviously um, Leo's impressed with him, brought him into the senior squad and, you know, I heard Josh van der Fleer speaking about him. He's kind of been sitting behind the scenes quietly, hasn't he, in Leinster and not a lot said. He's not there on match days. He, he does uh, the contact skills and breakdown work and defensive stuff um, with them during the week. A uh, mixture of all of that. Um, but look, I played with Dennis for a long time. He's a great character. Um, he's quiet. Um, he's kind of fellow when you when he speaks, people listen. And um, he's still relatively inexperienced. Uh, but it wouldn't, you know, it's, it's no surprise that uh, Munster are looking to try and get someone like him back. Um, if it's... We don't know. I don't know. We're only hearing that hearing that speculation. I think, again, we were speculating a lot, a lot about Graham Rountree and the, the head coach position. Um, Mike Prendergast has been mentioned and Dennis Leamy. They're the only two people I've heard outside of, of, um, of, of you know, in, in, the, in the public, if you like, in the last few weeks. But um, do you think Prendergast? I think it would be exciting. Do you think Prendergast is likely? Um, I would say pretty likely. Um, it depends. Um, I think he's definitely someone that Munster are interested in and vice versa. But, you know, I, I think Mike still has his contract in France. And so who knows where that's going to end up, you know what I mean? And if, if, if he's actually going to make that decision, I think for any person working in sport and um, if if... You know, I I would say that Munster interests him. Of course, he's been on the road for for nine years now in France, and um, you know to go back to your hometown club and probably similar with Dennis. Dennis is trying to progress his career in in, in rugby coaching as well. He's in an incredible environment at the moment. Does he decide to stay with that and develop himself more? That's that's a real possibility, and it's the same for Mike. Um, does he stay on in France? I think he's very well respected there, but. Um, 
I think the management team that, that Graham Rowntree assembles, that's really important because um, it's blatantly obvious that um, the players needs, need to be upskilled more and the attack game needs to be improved more. And I think putting the ingredients and the people involved that can do that. And I think having former Munster players come back in is the way to go now. If they're available and if they've got good coaching CVs, which certainly Mike, Mikey Prendergast has, and uh, Dennis is less so because he's, he's, he's only in the game um, a couple of years, really. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that, that, that like, allied to Roundtree's experience, it's, it will bring that sense of identity back pretty quickly and it will be very exciting. The one thing you'd have to say is that like, as the injuries have cleared up and as the uh, best players have been available for them, their attacking style seems to be evolving. It's not, we're, not, we're not in the situation we were at the start of the season where we weren't sure what Munster were trying to do. They do appear to be trying to keep the ball alive more often. They do appear to be trying to get their best players in space more often. They do appear to have some ideas. And like it might be a massive oversimplification, but we've had a long period now, months, where we've had Joey Carberry fit, where Keith Earls is back in the team, where Damien Dielende is fit, where Chris Farrell is alongside him. You know, uh, they don't have strength and depth. And when those players are injured, it's not like Leinster who can put out a team and say, OK, play exactly the same way because we've 40 players who are almost as good as each other. For Munster, when their best players are playing well, they're a really good team. And I think that's the key for the next couple of weeks. And, you know, if you, um, the season has been so stop-start and when you don't have the same depth, um, across the board with, with COVID, with the injuries, with with all those disruptions that happened pre-Christmas. Um, you get better when you play matches. That's very, very obvious. And I think they've improved in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it shows around some of their attack that there is ca- the capabilities are there. And I think there's been a gradual change since Christmas, particularly since that Connacht game at Christmas, where that, that highlighted uh, a very blunt approach in the sports ground. Um, the the lack of ambition to pass or, or attack um, and that was there for everybody to see I think it was 45 passes in the game and Craig Casey had 24 or 5 of them himself so um, I think they've, they've had to change and I think they've looked at it and tried to change um, and we've seen glimpses of that there's still problems and issues around power and physicality and and the discipline in the last couple of weeks um, that away Exeter game um, set piece the other night was under pressure at times um, and nearly cost them in the end but um, yeah I think look there's there, there's certainly been improvements had they enough power and strength uh, to go on and, and you know get to a final of the URC or or progress to the semi-final of Europe there's there's still doubts there in my mind but on their day if they get things right I think they can they're in a much better place now than they were six months ago um, Leinster were beaten by the Sharks 28-23 it was a Sharks team festooned with Springboks and it was a, an unrecognisable Leinster team um, and yet at the end of the game it was Leinster who were on the Sharks try line trying to get a try that would have uh, tied the game and maybe kick a conversion to win it um, so I I know that they're going to be disappointed that they didn't win the game, but it's quite the performance to be able to go against a team like that and give yourselves an opportunity to win it. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think um, they they did so well in that game against an incredibly powerful side. And I think where they came unstuck and 
was probably um, line out mall and set and the scrum at times, and sometimes kind of just pure physicality in the contact areas. But they could have could have and possibly should have won that game at the end. They were attacking the the sharks line, um, and you know you could see the reaction of, of of the sharks players at the end. Loads of South African internationals playing in that team. Um, Khaleesi, who's the South African captain. You didn't really see much of him in the game. I was I was surprised and shocked, um, but incredible power from them. But let's be honest, this was a Leinster B side who nearly beat the Sharks in South Africa, possibly could have. Um, so it just shows the depth and the strength they have there in the squad and the amount of changes that Leo Cullen was able to make. Even some of the substitutions during the game. Um, I think Andrew Porter was coming off at one stage and I was like, Jesus, um, you know, they're defending a five-meter line-out and you're taking off Andrew Porter. But I think Leo just um, has the confidence and has a real belief in in, in 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 his squad and in some of those younger players, the hunger and the desire to uh, to perform at that level. And um, they're in a very good place. Um, I think they can, they're, they're nine points ahead of the Stormers. They can probably afford to you know, pick up a couple of losing bonus points or losing bonus point this week against the Stormers and I know they'll want to beat Munster in the last game but they're definitely going to be in the top two um, even if they, they didn't do, win the last two games so um, in a very very strong position and I think when when you consider all the internationals they can, they can bring back when they come back from South Africa um, their focus will solely be on winning the European Cup and winning the URC and I think they're they're certainly the team and the squad to beat. Can we just move on to yesterday at Welford Road, Alan, in the Six Nations, Ireland's hammered 69-0 by England. It was 10-0 at half-time. The extra fitness, the professionalism uh, that kind of feeds into that fitness was just blatant to see in that second half and we were having this conversation with you on Friday about the missing sevens players and like you make the very valid point that in an ideal world having depth to be able to have a good sevens programme and a good fifteens programme is where every rugby country wants to be. When you look at that performance yesterday though, at what stage are, if we take into account the report and all the good work that, that might be being done behind the scenes, are these sort of results actually doing long-term damage whereby any young person watching that game yesterday isn't necessarily being pushed to play rugby with the view for playing for Ireland because England are just so, so far ahead of them. And at what point did the IRFU actually need to start taking a very short-term view on this to try and arrest the growing gap between Ireland and the bigger teams? And I mean professional contracts. And I, I know they'll want a long-term plan, but at what point do they need to start you know, shipping some water now at this point and, and trying, to get, trying to close that gap now and for next year's Six Nations? Yeah, I think that's something that's probably going to happen probably sooner rather than later because, but we're not surprised, on are we, by the results? I think, um, you know, nobody's shocked here. Just England are the best team in the world. Um, the conditioning, the tries they scored yesterday, uh, the accuracy, the power, the the complete uh, mix mix that they can bring to their game is, is phenomenal. Um, regarding kind of putting younger girls off, I, I don't think that... That would be um, something that's, that that this would scare people to go and play for Ireland because I I believe that we're at a we're at a kind of a point now where I wouldn't say it's bottom of the barrel it's but it can only get better I think the development the skills the structures 
Um, the short-term solution um, probably is contracts and trying to contra contract players because what we saw yesterday would, would indicate that, you know, fitness, power, um, strength and conditioning, all that those kind of things came into play in the second half. And being a full-time athlete as opposed to amateur athletes, um, I know some of the girls play in England, but the English team, you know, they can rest and recover this morning. They can do their ice baths. They can have their recovery day. The rest of the Irish girls are back to work or back to college or whatever they're doing. Um, so does that not suggest so that England are the ones that are going to get better rather than Ireland? Like if you're saying that this no, is the bottom think, of the barrel, well, I mean, there's no got, guarantee that England got, don't open the gap further. Yeah, they could. Of course they could. They can, they, they, they've got better in the last number of years, got more powerful and... Um, this isn't a quick solution, Adrian, uh, on that we contract uh, 20 Irish girls and, and they're going to be um, in incredible shape for, 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 for the next six nations. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a couple of years. And what you want to see is improvements, skill improvements, strength improvements, um, rugby knowledge, uh, more understanding. Um, higher quality games in the AIL, more more players coming through. Um, and the report suggests all that, that it's going to happen. Um, but I think, some, of course, some of, some of the Irish players, I think maybe, maybe the short-term solution is to try and um, at least get part-time contracts or, or, or get those players contracted in the next um, period of time. But it's difficult um, to just... Like I said, it's not something that we did we didn't expect before the weekend. We knew this was was capable of happening. They've scored forty two tries in four games, the English players, and of course they could get better. But on the evidence of what you see from them now, um, there, there's there's very little room to improve uh, anymore because they're so dominant against every side they play against. Um, and I think it's. It's something now that has to, yeah, definitely be looked at and activate some of the points that came up in the report. Um, but the danger, I think, what's more important here on the short-term solution is contract some of contract the players. But you know, if you have a raft of those players then that get injured or, or missing or or not playing well, you know, it's the players coming up. I think. It has to go hand in hand with development. Okay. I think that's really important, and to try and increase the level of of, of the competition and the level the level of, of games we see in the AL week after week. Okay. Get more girls playing, um, but okay. um, you know, I, I think it's something that uh, certainly could be accelerated. All right, we got to leave it there. Alan Quinlan, good stuff. Thanks so many for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Looking forward to this week's episode of the Red 78 podcast where there'll be more analysis and reaction to the Ulster game and looking forward to what's coming down the tracks over the next few weeks and no doubt speculation about what the makeup of the backroom team under Graham Rantry is going to look like. The Football Pod on OTB Sports. Have you ever seen a team like Limerick that are so physically dominant? They're yeah, absolutely... Oh. Financially dominant. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app.